0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen.
1: Hello, beautiful friends. I'm Natalie. And I'm Claudine. And welcome to Shokran Very Much, the podcast. And this week's episode is titled, Fleeting Gold, the True Meaning of Success.
2: Happy Monday, everyone. Our guest today is a very interesting person. When we actually were first introduced to him, We had no idea who he was, and that was not a good thing, because when we found out who he was, we really regretted not knowing him. Um, So if you do know him, I'm sure you agree with me, and if you don't, I'm sure you'll be very excited to get to know him alongside us today. Our speaker today is the Associate Athletic Director of Health, Wellness, and Sports Performance at the University of California, Irvine. It's a very long title, Mm. but he's also served in a similar capacity on the United States national team, and has won several international titles as well as two Olympic gold medals. Um, but I think the highlight of his character shines through his service and that says a lot about him. We are blessed today to be in the presence of John Abdo. How are you, John?
0: I'm doing I'm doing well. Thank you for having me.
2: Thank you for being on. We're very mm. excited. Mm. So we start all our episodes with icebreakers.
1: Sure.
0: Let's yeah. do it. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. So if
1: you were gonna do like a documentary of your life, uh. who would play you? Oh a celebrity
0: it's <laughs> a good introduction into like uh into ego and false self versus true self right so i um uh <laughs> my ego would tell me i'd want it to be like denzel washington or you know yeah. Idris Elba or something like that you know? but uh <laughs> in in reality it would it would probably be uh you know popeye jones or something like that you know some old nba player or something but yeah yeah that, that's a good question yeah ideally it would be I think One your height guys. would
2: make you an NBA player. Sure. You're very tall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: for an Egyptian. For an Egyptian. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yes, yes, yes.
2: Um, so let's get uh, into it. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. For someone who doesn't know you at all, just a quick glance, who is John?
0: Yeah. Um, I'll see if I can do this in 30 seconds or less. But I was born born in Egypt, um, and we immigrated uh, to the United States, to Houston, Texas, um, for, for about. Three four years, and then uh, and then moved to Southern California. Um, been a little bit around Southern California for a little bit, and um, grew up at St Mary's Coptic Orthodox Church, one of the one of the original kind of few Coptic Orthodox churches here in Southern California, and. Um, you know, grew up doing that and then uh, grew up there. Then I uh, did my undergrad at UC Irvine as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I went to UC Irvine as an undergraduate um, for water polo to play, to play water polo. And after that, I started teaching and coaching uh, all over the place, um, including six years I spent in uh, Pennsylvania. At Bucknell University, uh, which is literally in this in central Pennsylvania, kind of in the middle of nowhere, um, mm-hmm. and uh, um, from there went on to my last ten years at USA Water in the, the the two last two Olympic Games, and now I'm at UC Irvine. And um, you know, in that time uh, of growing up at St. Mary's Coptic Orthodox Church, I picked up service um, under the, the the mentorship of many great servants there, uh, and now continue to serve at St. Paul's. Mm-hmm. American Coptic Orthodox Church here in Irvine.
2: That was really good. Yeah. yeah I think perfect. we'll just and to God for everyone. Yeah. yeah, let's <laughs>
0: yeah. Just say, okay, yeah um.
1: um, so what's like your favorite thing about water polo? I feel like it's mm-hmm. a I think it's a bit underrated. I feel like not a lot of people, especially Egyptians, know much about water polo. Mm-hmm. So what kinda drew you to it?
0: Yeah, I think what drew me to it I was I, I really wanted to play basketball. I'm like a basketball guy. Yeah. Right. i Really wanted to be a hooper and um you know, for a lot of Egyptians, I know you said I'm tall. I'm not tall enough, right? Yeah. No, so, yeah, yeah ideally, mm-hmm. uh, I would have been playing basketball my whole life, but I was, like, an undersized basketball player, <laughs> and but fond, But I really liked swimming, and I was, like, on... So, basically, my freshman year in high school, I did basketball team. I was on the basketball team and on the swim team, and then in the summer after my freshman year in high school, um, I, they, someone... Like pointed me to the pool and said they play water polo in there and it was like this combination of like swimming and basketball and soccer and like all these great sports <laughs> in a one and it was yeah. like all in one, a little bit of wrestling some fighting and I'm like oh this is amazing right yeah. so I like kind of combined all these things I really liked into one place and it was uh, uh, and it was very yeah it was a lot of fun and it, it, it hooked me but at that point I'm talking about finding water polo at the age of 15-16 after my freshman year in high school whereas like if you come to any of these churches now i could find five or six yeah. egyptian yeah. boys and yeah. girls you know or, mm, yeah. i shouldn't say that coptic right or yeah. within our parishes um uh, playing playing water polo now and they probably and some of them started when they were seven eight nine years old you mm-hmm. know so um yeah just by ha- haphazardly found it but
2: yeah. so that kind of answers like how did you begin your water polo journey yeah. but um i'm gonna ask you then mm. what's your like sales pitch for someone
0: to mm. go into water polo yeah. it's worked on a few cops just so you know yeah i've, I've recruited several over the years <laughs> go that's for, yeah. a jump in jump in the sport i uh, look i think i think uh the cool thing about the sport is that it um uh, it's a full body workout like so it requires it requires kind of it's arguably um known as the toughest sport in the world um because um you know whether you know the sport or not you know there's no you can't touch the bottom you can't touch yeah. the sides right like you're you're you have to be floating swimming fighting throwing at all times and so it's a it's really hard so it's a good full body workout Um, You get to be outside a lot Uh, you get to get to really experience. I think one of the the best qualities of all the sports in, into one so i get to kind of wrestle i get to throw i get to score goals i get to have teammates i get to pass the ball i get to swim which is always a a good thing when you live in southern california and it's hot right you get to be in the yeah. pool all summer um, is a good thing i always noticed that when i was in the gym in the basketball summer basketball Team stuff was always really hot and sweaty and just yeah. gross. And then I'd get to jump in the pool and be like, oh, this is refreshing. you yeah. know. So yeah. if you want a refreshing sport to play, uh, <laughs> then I think water polo is for you.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I actually played basketball in high school, and yeah. I remember watching water polo from yeah. the doors of yeah. the gym being like, what I would give right now to jump <laughs> in the pool? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it feels great, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you get to do everything you would normally do in basketball. In fact, my, my college water polo coach told me one of the think, the advantages I had in Joining polo was the basketball experience I had. So really similar sports. There's a center, right? Mm-hmm. Everything kind of revolves around the center, right? But the game that's played, like, inside out, right? And so um, yeah. the center plays with their back to the basket, the back to the goal, things like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of comp hmm? Um
1: So you were a coach. Mm-hmm. Do you still coach?
0: Yeah, as much as I can. I mean, you can't take – I'm a teacher and coach by trait, you know? Um, yeah. um, so by trait and by trade, I would say, right? I think that's something I was – Born to do, um, if I'm following kind of God's will and um, and His gifts, and um, and also by trade, right? So even if I'm ever in an administrative role, I consistently see myself as a teacher and a coach, and so um, any chance I get to to do any of those things, I relish. So
1: what kind of like inspired you to go into like coaching and all that?
0: I, it's interesting I, I, it was very very organic right um, and this is probably early on one of the first times I really felt like God's presence in my life right it's like I never really was confused about what I wanted to be when I grew up right yeah. like I just I'm not one of those people was like I, I don't know I, I think I'd bother my parents a lot when I'd say like I don't know who I am yet or I don't know who I'm going to be when I grow up, but I kind of always knew what I wanted to be from like a professional standpoint. Like teaching was like um, something that was very near and dear to my heart. And like, and again, just for, I don't know why. Right. But it was, it was there. Um, but I do remember um, being on a trip with my basketball team and I think it was the summer before our senior year uh, in high school. And I, I kept playing basketball through high school and water polo and swimming. So it was a three sport athlete um, at that time, but w- in the, on the summer, I was with my coach, and my coach and I were taking a walk somewhere um, on this trip, and he just and he just we were talking about life, and the first thing he said is like, no matter what you choose to do when you grow up, unless you're helping people, it's going to be extremely unsatisfying, and you're just never going to be satisfied unless you're doing something where you're serving other people. And I was just remember that like really resonating. I already knew I really wanted to be a teacher. I was already kind of going into that, and it just resonated deeply that like, you know, your career better be helping other people, right, and those two better be aligned well. You know,
1: so. Um. So, what do you think was like the hardest part about becoming a coach?
0: Um, I think the hardest the hardest part is, <laughs> from our perspective, meaning kind of like our diaspora of you know Coptic Orthodox Christians mainly. Uh, first or second generation immigrants coming through here right? is that is that even like a profession right is like yeah. is that allowed right like is that okay you know? um, like is that, you. yeah right like yeah. is it is this like a career like can you make money off of it right and so like the hardest part was like telling my parents what I was gonna do right Cause yeah like. Um, you know i tell the story like uh, when i told my <laughs> when i told my dad like uh, i'm gonna be a teacher like i'm gonna i'm going into education and he goes oh you're john then so you're choosing to be poor you know like, and i was yeah. like no i can make money doing this i'm gonna be all right like what's what's the problem right like what's yeah. the problem i want to be a teacher um like and my dad's brother was a great teacher and a professor and you know yeah, uh, yeah. my dad was teaching sunday school at the time and um all these things and i'm like isn't that what we're like supposed to be doing yeah. right like teaching like i see us teaching in the church like it's okay to also like do that in the the in the kind of secular world as well um and so they just really had a hard time with that so then after that it's like i have to get over the fact that like well john you're going to be poor the rest of your life you know how are you going to deal with that how are you going to money (laughs) to like how are you going to find a wife how are you going to find a spouse like why would anybody want to be with you if you don't have money to support them (laughs) and uh, go through that and so what are you going to do for money you know um so then you kind of fight you know fighting through that and kind of you know through the stubbornness of it and then and then at some point he realized like you know you're probably pretty good at this or like there's some like pathway for you on it and then he'd always kind of like god rest his soul you know kind of jab at me and be like well your whole life is in these kids hands you know like these kids oh are, it's god. always in their hands so, <laughs> i think it was always like this cultural you know getting over the cultural barrier of of doing it of not being you know mm-hmm. A doctor lawyer engineer you know and like not not <laughs> yeah. going down the traditional path and we have plenty of doctors lawyers and engineers and, you know, we have a we have a plethora um some some would say too many of lawyers you know in certain situations so um you know what do, does the world have enough teachers do we have enough artists do we have enough poets mm-hmm. do we have enough um You know people who are invested in making the world a better place you know on a micro level like working with people individually and and on a macro level team level i'm obsessed with the team concept
2: Mm -hmm. i
0: still am like one of the things i miss most about teaching and coaching is this idea of being with a group of people that intimately to accomplish a goal is there's so many so many lessons and so many orthodox christian lessons and so many just valuable life lessons that you get out of being on a team, like a real team, like a dedicated team, it's uh, it's a pretty powerful experience. Yeah.
2: Okay. Um. So, let's mm-hmm. talk about UCI for a minute. Yeah. Yeah, because you said you went there for undergraduate mm-hmm. school, and then now you're back. Mm-hmm. How does that feel?
0: No, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's fantastic. I would say, yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, uh, UCI is a really special place. I think for those mm-hmm. of us here in Southern California, I think it really, um. Has a, has a nexus point of a lot of things in one place. Um, and it was, it was it's interesting because, again, same thing culturally. I, I, it wasn't my number one choice. I really wanted to go to UC San Diego. Um, I was trying to go to UC San Diego. In fact, like the water polo coach there, I was getting recruited, right, to play. Yeah. And um, water polo coach, the head coach there, calls me on a Friday um, afternoon and says, listen, I have a spot for you. You're not going to get accepted on your own. Like, you need to take my admission spot. If you're gonna come here, it's how the game works. Yeah. it's how The game, you know. Don't hate the player, hate the game. And uh, <laughs> um, then he's like, "You got to tell Monday morning. Tell me what's up, right? Like, you know, or you're admit you'll just you're just yeah. gonna get denied, or and you can't come here. So it's like Friday afternoon, and like I, I get a, you know, this is before cell phone, so I, you know, this I'm having this conversation publicly in my house, right, in front of everybody, and I hang up and tell my parents, like, look, I'm ready. I'm ready to commit to San Diego. They gave me a little scholarship. Like, I just got to tell them, like, now, like Monday morning, or by Monday morning, and then it became a. You know, it became an ordeal, right? It became a discussion. Well, San Diego's two hours away, right? And San oh, Diego, we were living yeah. in Pasadena, Temple City area. Like, like you're gonna, how are you going to drive two hours? And it's so close to Mexico. And it's so <laughs> close to, you know, there's like, you know, the beach and like partying. And what's, you know, like, how could you go to UC San Diego? Meanwhile, now we have one of the largest Coptic clubs in America, yeah, in San yeah. Diego, right? But this is 20 something years ago. And um, so they wouldn't let me do it. So Irvine became the like safe choice, right? It became this like safe, like, oh, you can be like, 45 to 50 miles away from home and then you can come home on the weekends and still serve and teach sunday school and see us and do laundry and get food and come back and forth and you're only 45 you know minutes away um but thank god it ended up being the the right choice you know but um Mm -hmm. uh, but it's funny how things how things work out and again the cultural barriers that existed especially for those of us who immigrated here um with our parents at a very young age right who brought a lot of egypt with us here it's very different than maybe some of our churches look like now, or maybe your upbringings. If your parents were spend most of their time here, or my, I'll speak for myself or my kids. My kids are gonna have a very different upbringing, right? Yeah. With a with mm-hmm. a an Americanized uh, set of parents. Yeah.
2: yeah. So you started by teaching high school mm-hmm. and coaching in high school, and then you went to Bucknell University, and then Santa Barbara, and mm-hmm. then you were everywhere. Then you mm-hmm. were like Rio and Tokyo and mm-hmm. international. Mm. Uh how did you feel like could you have predicted going that far early on in your career? Or no. No.
0: Yeah, I mean you set goals for yourself like I I am um, um certainly am fortunate that I've um in a And this is a lot to unpack here, right? But mm-hmm. um uh over this conversation we want to keep talking about it, right? I've certainly a- accomplished a lot of things that from a worldly standpoint seem um, good right or high you said how hey, you've gone so far in your career yeah I guess by those standards um, the answer would be yes and then from a career standpoint I set those goals for myself I didn't think it was going to happen but I, I remember like in 2009 ish 2008 ish I told my now wife then you know I told her, I said hey my only goal is that I want to go to the Olympics and I want someone else to pay for the ticket. So, like, meaning, <laughs> like, I don't care what the role is, right? Like, if it means I'm, like, there to, like, mop the floors, if I'm there to, like, you know, tape ankles, if I'm there to, like, you know, hold the hold the caps and balls, like, I don't care what the role is. Like, I think I've made it. Like, I would have, like, made it in my career if it was somebody else's budget that was paying for my trip there. That means, mm-hmm. that means like, I have a role at these games. Uh, and I accomplished that in 2016, right? And yeah. I was like, yeah, I made it, you know? Um, and so, like... In terms, I didn't think I was ever gonna get that far, and then even then, to go there and then blah blah, keep get be successful and then keep going and keep going, like is um, has a lot more to do with God's will than it does with me. um, But it has more to do with, uh, but it does get me to think. Or has caused me to kind of reframe what I believe success is, or like what the definition of success is. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: So, how did you feel when you were in the midst of all these changes? Like when you were in the heart of it, you don't know where you're going. What What did that feel like?
0: Yeah, it's a lot of uncertainty, right? It's a lot of uncertainty. You have to like. We talk a lot in sports about like um, getting comfortable, feeling uncomfortable, right? Like you have to like really be comfortable, just being uncomfortable, right? And you have to get very comfortable with like uncertainty right because like winning is not in your control like winning is out of your control right that's something that's a byproduct of doing all the right things you can do all the things right you can train your your butt off you can you know do everything perfectly like you're supposed to and still not win right like winning is a byproduct of all kinds of different environmental factors and things like that right and so we rarely talk about winning or success you just talk about what your like what their day-to-day is like what's the next right move what's the next step so you're very like um, focused on the present moment, which is a good lesson in life in, in general, right? Like, really focusing on the present, focusing on what's, like, in front of you, because that's the only thing you can control. Um, and you can, mm-hmm. again, we say a lot in sports, like, control what you can control, right? Control mm-hmm. what you can control the controllables and mean and that. So it was a lot of uncertainty, um, but it was also, like, those types of high pressure and, like, um, you know, high-performing situations really uh, teach you a lot.
2: Tell us about your time on the national team. Uh, what did it feel like to be involved with waterfall at that level? You already said yeah. you just wanted to be involved at that level, yeah. no matter what your role was. But how did it feel?
0: Not as good as I thought. Really? Yeah, yeah. I'll, t- I'll be honest, right? Yeah. So uh, you spend your whole life kind of like chasing these, what they call, you know, kind of big, audacious goals, right? You know, where I really wanted to... That's what I wanted, right? If you told me, like I said, like 2008, 2009, they're like, you get to... Like, the, you're going to get to achieve your goals, right? And my goal was I was going to go to the Olympics and I am going to do this. And so not only did I get to go to the Olympics, I was the boss, right? Yeah. Like, I had to go and I was in charge of everything, right? And that's wild, right? To think mm-hmm. that that was the goal, right? That I got to do that. And you would think that that would make me happy, right? And that would make me content or that would... And it just didn't, you know? And so I think, like, my time with the national team, especially the last... I'd say from 2017 to 2021, coming home from Tokyo, and considering what well, happened between 2017 and 2021 including a, it was you
2: know, a different world
0: yeah yeah and you know in the middle there there's two years of a pandemic or more mm-hmm. you know um and we were supposed to go to the olympics in 2020 and then mm-hmm. they those got postponed for a year so we ended up going in 21 and when we did go no one else was allowed there to. there was no one there yeah, it was no so there. strange you to watch that. yeah so i was one of the few people in the room right yeah. like you know the or the, you know the the leaders got to go, right? Um, but their parents, you know, the athletes' parents didn't get to go. My family, didn't. my whole plan was to probably bring my wife and kids with me, mm-hmm. right? Like everybody's plan is usually that, right? Yeah. In one way, shape, or form, that's like the pinnacle. You're there for a long time; I was there for three and a half weeks wow. in Tokyo. Um, uh, so you know, you don't want to be gone from your family that long yeah. for coaches, mm-hmm. athletes, right? So like that's usually the support system comes because that's a big deal as opposed to maybe going to a week tournament here or two weeks there. Yeah. It's like the Olympics, everybody comes, but we didn't get that. Um, but that's just the Olympic games. But even before then, I got to go to Rio, and I was in 2016 and um experienced that multiple world championships and pan american games and things like that and I, and i would say like all of those things felt and the experience was cool it was mm-hmm. cool it's like i wait we're going to put it was, it was neat you know yeah. it was it was, <laughs> it was neat it was kind of a neat thing right like you would yeah. you'd be at the like um would be at like i don't know at a gold medal ceremony or you'd hear mm-hmm. Um, your national anthem playing and get emotional right like you know we win and then you you know they raise the flag like that's cool right it was a cool thing but I would not call it fulfilling I wouldn't call it um, joyful I wouldn't call it um, satisfying Uh, and I I wouldn't call it um, a lot of things right and so uh, otherwise I'd still be doing it Um, and I think I'm fortunate that Uh, I'm very fortunate that God let me like taste or touch success at a high level because otherwise I still might be chasing it Um, and I think that's the wisdom that he's trying to teach me right is that Mm -hmm. he he let me taste success so that I could just walk away from it because um, there's many of us who spend many of us here on earth that spend a lifetime chasing success and chasing titles and chasing Mm -hmm. and winning and For me, in my case, medals or like, you know, winning games. And for other people, it's like, you know, getting a promotion at work or getting a higher salary or getting, uh, you know, more and more prominence and more fame and more success, you know, in whatever field you're in. And you chase it and you chase it and you chase it. But the, 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 the problem with that chase, right, is that oftentimes, depending on who you are, right, it can take you along paths that aren't very fruitful or edifying for your Christian life. And um, and not to say that it was 100 percent the case with me, right? But it's um, but it's it's something to consider, right? And so mm-hmm. I really wanted success, like I and I still do, right? There's the, like, I battle these demons. I, I want to achieve mm-hmm. it. I love level. I want to succeed. But those, the more and more you spend learning about Jesus and the more time you spend, you know, contemplating His life and the purpose of us being here, the less you understand how. The, l- the less important those things are, right, and the less important you understand deeply how little that meant, right. There's many Mina would always. Um, there was the stories of of Saint Mina, many Mina, right, who was like a like a. He was a um, well decorated war uh, general, or yeah. hero, right? Like always, like whatever titles they used in that in that mm-hmm. era, right? But he was high up there, and you know got a lot of accolades for it. And, and, you know, as the stories go for him, right, he takes his medals and he throws them down. He throws them away, right? He burns them, right? He doesn't he doesn't even acknowledge them, right? And so who do I want to be when I grow up? Do I want to be the person who do I want to be when I grow up? Do I want to be like many Mina? Like, do I want to be somebody who gets medals and knows their true value of them as just mm-hmm. worldly objects that don't mean anything? Or do I want to be the person that takes that medal or that um, achievement and make it my full identity right Yeah. and if by making I struggled with um, that time to answer your question in the national team of like what am I doing here and like why am I doing it and I kept doing it because I was trying to figure it out Mm
2: -hmm. but there was
0: a long pathway of like what am I doing and why am I doing it and I felt out of place often right imagine being in another country alone away from your family um, not really being on the inner circle of the team right like if you're on the inner circle of the team you're like there, but the, the, team. but the boss is like, got to stay a little far away, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, you're only uh, at least good management. This is side note, good management <laughs> skills for everybody. Don't micromanage <laughs> your teams and don't over involve yourself when you don't need to be involved, right? But good management would be like, hey, I'm gonna come in and out in a like wise way, and in a way that only leaves. so that so many many years, I'm like traveling the globe in some of these really cool again cool neat fun places, but by myself and alone, and just me and my thoughts and mean god like walking on a beach in New Zealand by myself right wow. and like that seems cool and again on paper on instagram on a picture that i yeah. could send back looks amazing but like from again from a spiritual or like introspective way it really started to weigh heavy on me Yeah. yeah. if i'm making sense. Yeah, yeah. You it sense
2: yeah what's the coolest place you've been to
0: um neat neat the neat the neat places yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um that's a good question I, um, I, I I don't know if I've felt the way I feel when I visited Egypt as a kid you know or as a young adult going to Egypt I don't think I've been anywhere that's made me feel that way you know um, mm-hmm. I've always felt a different way but I you know I've got gotten to go to a lot of different places maybe New Zealand is the neatest place I've been yeah. to. because' it's an interesting country right and yeah. I, and it was so cool that like mm-hmm. I went twice like I think I went once in like uh, in one year and then I went like almost nine months later again because oh, well. it was just like there was another opportunity to go mm-hmm. and, and to manage and and, and 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 to be a part of something there and it was um, it's a very very interesting. It's a very interesting place. Yeah. O- Oceania is an interesting place. <laughs> New Zealand, Australia. Yeah. They do weird stuff down there, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, but I like it, you know? <laughs> I, like, I like weird. Yeah, yeah. so it's cool.
2: So, I know we talked about this before we recorded, but mm-hmm. I think it would be a little bit helpful if mm. you just explain your role just a little bit sure. on the team.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So, when you're like, when, when I say, like, I'm in charge of the boss mm-hmm. or whatever, or like, when you say performance director, it's essentially akin to being like uh, the general manager of a professional sports team, mm-hmm. you know, where that person's kind of in charge of all sport operations. So, um, in a sense, it was a natural transition for me from being a coach um, into an area where I was managing. Um, You know all aspects of performance for the team, and usually I kind of define that in kind of a circle with the athlete or the team in the middle. It's generally like sports medicine, um, strength and conditioning, sports psychology, wellness. um, uh, You know, our our analytic analytics. You know, um, research, um, all the different things that can touch, touch the athletes. Mm -hmm. um, In in nutrition, I missed that part. You know, all of those kind of things that like try to manage all of that in an integrative way. So the athletes can achieve at their highest level, okay. right? So, um, so I create environments and teams and staff to help support competitive athletes yeah. and teams. Yeah.
2: Before I hand it over to Natalie, and mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but yeah. um, do you have any fun stories from your time at the Olympics?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure I do. Um, There's always good storytelling. I mean, like there, it, it, there. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. There was times it was fun, right? Yeah. And I certainly had. To, fun at different times, but I think we we as we, again, I'm, and I'm probably getting older now, right, and like mm-hmm. thinking about things more and um, there's certainly like I don't want to call it a midlife crisis or anything like that but, <laughs> you know, feel free to call it that but uh, it's um, there's usually an inflection point in people's lives where like they've served in their careers for like 20 years right so I yeah. started working right when I graduated from college like right mm-hmm. when I graduated from college I started working and I was 21 when I graduated I was a young graduate from college wow. so then to be in my mid 40s now like and say that I've been in the workforce for 20 plus years um, and then you know you're gonna be in the workforce for 40 years or whatever right this is like I've passed halftime right so now like you gotta think of like what the second half of your career is gonna be like um, so yeah maybe there's fun things I'm trying to think of a story for you you know I guess while I'm stalling but uh, (laughs) um, but you know while there could be some good stories in that but uh, more, more importantly I kind of think back about like you know, what I've learned, you know, kind of from a wisdom standpoint, you know, from an experience standpoint. That's what I keep going back to. But I guess I'll finish the story from like Tokyo. That was an interesting one because like being three and a half weeks, that's most recent and you said you saw it a little bit on T V, mm-hmm. right? That like it was the stands were empty and things were empty, but like, um, that story within itself, this is not gonna sound a lot of fun, but it's a good story. <laughs> it's um you know, we got we got to Tokyo and um as soon as we got to Tokyo we uh this is during the time of COVID, right? So we were in a COVID bubble at that time right so we're in a we're in a covid bubble at that time and um we're uh getting tested at the airport so we have to go to the airport and test immediately uh on covid so we have like a 10 to 12 hour stay at the airport just to get like tested you know and then we're testing daily once we got in the olympic village uh at that time so and you spit in a tube and you have to like walk your spitty tube over you know to this booth (laughs) and you like give your spitty (laughs) tube up um and so essentially like for three and a half weeks i was by myself in in a japanese room um by myself right For that time so talk about being in like a pressure cooker chamber uh and that is like you know the size of this room let's just say like it's basically the size of a master bathroom in a home so the size of a master bathroom in a home is your whole hotel room Mm-hmm. Right? So, like, the, there's like a little bed on the side, there's a sink, a toilet. This okay. room for like three, three and a half weeks. Um, and I can't, I, that was like probably one of the most um, mentally stressful emotionally stressful right spiritually mm-hmm. stressful moment and you can't go anywhere by the way because the reason i say you're stuck in that room again you're in a covid bubble yeah. so if you break the bubble they're like tracking your location on your phone right oh At God, all that's times. so
2: creepy yeah
0: if they catch you walking around outside they'll like you'll get reported you know like, walking to come outside back. yeah like you got to be like inside like most of the day if you're walking out it's like to get to the next transportation thing to come so like it was a, a very strict uh, and if you know anything about japanese and the japanese culture like they're very strict and they're very organized it's pretty it's pretty amazing how efficient they are so I was like stuck at all times in this thing. So it's, it's a really, uh, that's a story, but it may not be that much fun to hear about. <laughs> you know, um, but there are some fun ones in there too. Like, you asked me, it's probably the coolest place I've been to. And again, these things are cool. They're not meaningful. Um, but it was probably like the Olympic Village uh, uh, cafeteria. <laughs> so like eating in the cafeteria in the village is probably the coolest thing because it's like kind of like a model like a model united nations you know yeah, what i mean yeah, like yeah. every country is there and there's 206 countries represented at the olympic games um so within those like 206 countries you're hearing like 100 different languages as you just like take a lap yeah. like, to get food and stuff so it kind of felt like I, the way i describe it is like i kind of started feeling like this is what heaven would look like like if like oh. if like if heaven was like mm-hmm. a destination it would look like this. It would be very multicultural. There would yeah. be a lot of languages being spoken. There would be a lot of different people that all look very different from each other. It would all be different, different, you know, t- different kinds of foods. And I'm like, this is heaven, you know? So, yeah. our, like, my way of praying when I was at the Olympic Games was, like, to take a lap before I ate anything in the cafeteria. would take one lap all the way around the Olympic Village cafeteria just to take it in and, like, like, this is, like, I'm in heaven right now and, like, then now I'll eat afterwards, you
2: know? Yeah. Yeah shukran very much for listening to part one you will have to wait till next week to hear the rest of. shukran very much for listening and we'll see you next week